This is Caleb Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. This is the first of three episodes that we're going to go ahead and drop today. I anticipate if you actually listen to all three episodes, you're probably, well, I anticipate losing some listeners because this is actually only going to get harder and harder and harder. It's not a desire for me to do anything but challenge us to be better, to be better Catholics, to be better Christians, to be better followers of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, but I'm going to say some very hard things, not so much in this episode, but in the two that are coming after it. So there's this episode that drops at midnight, another episode that'll drop at one, and a third episode that'll drop at two. And by the time you've listened to all three, I am dead certain somebody's probably going to be very offended. I wish there was something I could do about that. I really do. But the fact remains is everything in these episodes is true. Enjoy the ride if you can, but you're going to find it very, very hard to hear. And that's just kind of how the truth is sometimes. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Exurgat Deus discipentur edimici eius, et fugiancio derunteum afacia eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Deus meus ex toto corde painet et me omnium meorum peccatorum, eake detestor, quia pecando, non solum buenas a te just estatutas promeritus sum, sed praesertum qui offendite sumum bonum, ad dignum qui super omnia diligares, ideo firmiter propono, Adjuvante gratia tua, de cetero menon peccaturum peccandice occasiones proximas fugaturum. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangele, defende nos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias diabolias do praesidium. Imperetil ideas suplices deprecamor, tuque princeps militae caelestis, satanam aliosque spiritus malignos que ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum netrude. Amen. <clears throat> Speculum justitiae, ora pro nobis. Mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Sancta Michael Arcangela, ora pro nobis. Domine ostende facium tuum et salvi erimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculato Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. <laughs> Since the 1960s and 1970s, the relationship between a person and their debts got turned upside down. And when that relationship between a per person and their debts got turned upside down, what ended up happening was we flipped 
the natural order. And it didn't really come full, like fully to pass because it took at least a generation before people really started going, well, you know, we can do X, Y, and Z and we can borrow. There's a really, really subtle, very, very subtle stumbling block, scandal, um, breaking point, a subtle message that comes with usury. You see, most of us, generally, we look at usury, we understand, and we kind of are aware of the fact that usury goes on day to day. Because usury is actually more focused on the person making the outlandish loan. That person who's saying, okay, I will front you the money, you know, for an exorbitant amount of interest or whatever, or even just interest above and beyond that, which is the norm for inflation. And there was a lot of sort of balancing that went around with it. But if there was ever going to be a single thing that should have been the church's stance when it came to usury, it should have read something like this. Thou shalt not borrow from your future or the future of your children. Because today, our nation is in such a bad way that that's exactly what we've done. We have stolen from the future of our children and our children's children for stuff that we can have now. And it's become part in parcel. It's the whole point behind credit cards. It's the whole point behind personal loans. It's the whole point behind taking a loan out for something that may be at the upper limits of something that you can even afford. Because you're taking it from your children, from your from your own future and from your children. <clears throat> Whereas the appropriate way to approach finances would be to make the sacrifice now so that you can gain the thing later. And making the sacrifice now is a very much, well, it's obviously a Catholic thing. Because we're called to make sacrifices. We're called to make reparation. We're called to do penance. We're called to do all of these things so that we can attain, not just in the future, but for eternity. And so the world should actually be modeled on that. You're not borrowing from your future. You're not borrowing from your children's future. You are saving up your present to pay in the future. You are accumulating for yourself now the things that you need for your future. The sacrifice heads in the opposite direction. And to this, I actually kind of want to give a hat tip uh, to Jordan Peterson, to Dr. Jordan Peterson, because it was him at a at one of his uh, live talks that actually made mention of this. 
And in fact, actually, it's one of the core themes when he's talking, when he's actually talking about Cain and Abel, and he's talking about, um, you know, the book of Genesis. That somewhere along the, now granted, he was coming at it from a obviously sort of wrong perspective, because he's saying that somewhere along the line in human history, we figured out that we can sacrifice from today to pay for tomorrow so that we can make the efforts today in order to ha- in order to provide for ourselves a better future. Well, we don't do that anymore. We don't even come close to doing that anymore. Today, today if we sacrifice anything, we fa- sacrifice the comfort of tomorrow for the benefits of today. And it's completely upside down now. Somehow, the Brandon administration is going to build back better by borrowing not just from not just from our future and our children's future, but now actually borrowing against the very health of the nation with the explicit intention of laying the nation and the nation's economy on the altar so that they can rip out the heart, rip out the intestines, rip out everything of substance so that they can hopefully build a new system. And nobody thinks this is crazy. Well, I say nobody thinks this is crazy. Everybody with half a sense looks at it and goes, no, we don't like it. Anybody who's actually looked at the plan to go, no, we don't like it. We don't want this. However, everybody who's actually pushing this agenda I'm just going to go ahead and say that I've seen faces like this before. All of the people who are pushing the agenda. You can almost look through their external image of poise and seeming decorum. And you can actually see the bloodthirsty, bloodlusting in their hearts. Because we've allowed this practice of usury to become so common that they were able to slide in not just billions, not just trillions. I mean, we're not talking like one or two trillion. When this is all said and done, they will have ransacked from the United States Somehow they will have ransacked more money, more economic resources, more currency, currency value than the actual currency value of the planet. And there will be nothing there but the dead husk of the former United States of America. And maybe we'll keep the name. But they've decided they wanted to sacrifice the United States of America on their altar. And it's getting kind of complicated because they're trying to push that whole quote unquote domestic agenda, which I don't understand how you can look at their agenda and call it domestic when it's global in nature. But they're trying to push their 
domestic agenda. And I got to be perfectly honest with you. I wouldn't be surprised if there's not a few people who are a little bit aggravated at Russia and China for getting in the way by, you know, sort of rattling sabers and making them and, and going, hey, you need to pay attention over here. This whole situation, the moment you actually look at it for what it is, it's the government stealing the future of your children, of your children's children. In fact, I think probably the worst part about it is, is the moment when you actually take that very small leap and you realize that they don't have any intention of giving it back. They don't actually have an intention of providing for the future of your children and your children's children because your children are not them. Because as opponents of the carbon of the of the carbon scam, the climate change con, as the opponents of the climate change con have been saying time and time again, the carbon they want to reduce is you. So they're not actually intending on giving anything back. They're not building anything back. And they're certainly not doing it better. <clears throat> the problem that I find myself looking at is that if you choose to do things the way we're supposed to, if you choose to follow, you know, the instructions of our Lord, If you choose to actually follow the model that our God gave to us, where we make the sacrifices for today in order to provide for tomorrow. I've tried to run to sort of model the game and, and kind of, and kind of see how the model plays out. And I'm a little bit worried because I don't know. I really don't know how much you can buffer against it. Because their model is actually specifically designed to try and cancel out the model that our Lord has given us. They literally want to take it from the God-fearing, from the people who are prudent, from the people who do decide to set aside things for the future. I don't know if it's going to work or not. This may be like matter and antimatter where they mutually just blow each other up and just, you know, and then you're left with most of nothing. Or it may actually be, and it's mostly because it's not like I'm an economist of any sort, it may actually be that their system will implode on themselves. And the only people that will end up being hurt are the ones who actually bought in. In which case... And this is, in all honesty, this is actually the part that seems most likely, then you can continue to follow the model of God. But you're going to probably want at least a couple of guns, because at some point they're going to try and come for your stuff. For whatever it is that you have set aside for the future. If I were a bishop in the church, this would be among the things that I would talk about. Yes, abortion. 
but we cannot afford like there are four sins that cry out to heaven for vengeance. There are four sins that cry out to heaven for vengeance. And so the first one is obviously abortion. The second one that everyone can recall is the normalization of sexual relationships of members of the same sex and other abominable sexual relation patterns. But the other two, the other two are specifically directed at the monetary policy of the United States of America. And in fact, actually the world. They deny workers their just wage. And we've always, and here's the thing. Leftists have always recognized that in this country, people are denied their just wage for the work that they do. They're just too stupid to realize that, you know, there's actually a way to do it where everyone actually, where everyone benefits, where people receive that which is due to them. And the fourth is the oppression of the poor. Two of those are directly, two of those are directly related to the monetary policy in the United States, to the economic policy in the United States, to our governmental policy writ large in the United States. Because abortion is not writ large in the United States and hopefully will not really be writ large much longer. Um, and I hope so, but you know, let's be real. I'm not, I'm not terribly sanguine about the courts coming through the way we need them to when it comes to Roe v. Wade. And I also know that to a degree, we're not going to, we're pretty sure we're not going to, uh, uh, overturn Obergefell either. So for two of those, we may still be up the creek. But as of right now, our nation has made it a policy to violate all four of the sins to commit on a daily basis, hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second, to commit the four, the four sins that cry out to heaven for vengeance. And it is our misunderstanding of monetary policy. It is all of us falling in at a certain level to the Keynesian economics. Well, I, well, I can borrow against this and it'll be borrowing against the future. I can borrow this and I can pay for the future. I can borrow from our, chi from our children to pay for now and then we can pay it back later. We've taken the concept of deferred payments and we've decided to push it out ad infinitum. And there's nowhere that it's more obvious than the economic policy of the United States of America, where they just continue to print and print and print and print and print. And it is with the express, explicit, and already spoken intent by the bankers in the United States and the bankers around the world that the whole point is, is to collapse the physical currency and create a new currency that is utterly under the control of either the governments or the banking system, but is centrally controlled so that you don't get to make a single purchase unless somebody else knows about it. 
And it was months ago that I decided that, you know, we would be better off just nuking the whole thing. And I say nuking the whole thing, but I mean actually taking these people out and shooting them. But we don't know who the shareholders are in the Federal Reserve. So we don't know who the ones who, who were who are the ones who are making the policy, who are the ones who are forcing the issue. We don't know who we don't know. We have the Federal Reserve Bank. It's not federal because it's not even actually run or operated by the government. And it's not really a bank. It's a it's a conglomeration of banks. And we know that the five largest banks in the country make up the board. And we know that there's a chairman who's quite possibly the most inept dude ever to sit in the office because he's just going along. And they're just digitizing money. I was listening to the rundown this weekend, and I absolutely love the rundown. Particularly this this last episode, they were talking about fractional reserve lending and how fractional reserve lending is the easiest way to make sure that you can't actually gain access to your money. Well, here's where it gets really fun. A lot of people aren't tracking that early last year, somewhere right around the middle of last year, like Martin, like May, June, July, somewhere in there of 2020, the Federal Reserve eliminated, or no, excuse me, it was uh, early this year. The Federal Reserve eliminated the requirement for banks to even maintain that fraction for their lending. So it used to be that they had to make that if they had a hundred million dollars loaned out, then they had to have ten million dollars in cash in their vaults under the fraction res- under the fractional reserve lending policy. So they could loan out a hundred million dollars against that ten million dollars, and then they could go to the Federal Reserve chair to the little um to the overnight bank and they could draw whatever out that they needed in order to be able to cover the balances overnight but that money had to be paid back in the morning at a very low interest rate <clears throat> well the first thing they did was they said okay you don't actually have to pay it back in the morning we'll keep the interest rate low this that and the other but you can draw the money and you can keep it for as long as you need but they still the banks still needed to continue to draw money against what they had out. And it was at that point when they could hold on to it that they started drawing more money out than what they necessarily needed. And instead of loaning the money out to small businesses, to home loan, to homeowners, to, you know, to the to the more typical loans that you would expect, they started taking the money and they were putting it in the stock market. Because the stock market had a better return on the investment than loaning out the money to, you know, little old you and me. <clears throat> For those of you who don't know, that was why in 2020, despite the fact that the economy was collapsing because we were shut down, the stock market kept going up. 
but nobody was paying attention to that. The stock market was going up and yet everything was, everything was shut down and everything. And that was why they were like, Hey, yeah, there's no big deal. It's no big deal. Everything's just fine. That was the way they could spin it. That there's no big deal. That everything was just fine. Cause you watch the stock market and you're like, Oh, okay, well, everything's normal with the stock market. And then we started getting news. And that we didn't have 10 million un- new unemployed. We had 10 million empty jobs. That something had happened in COVID and flipped the script. And now people weren't going back to work. And it didn't matter that they weren't drawing unemployment. And that was the thing. Everybody kept saying, well, as soon as the unemployment benefits run out, these people will start going back to work. Well, the unemployment, the extra unemployment benefits when it ran out. And what happened? Four million new jobs, empty. Ten million new jobs, empty. More new, more open jobs than you had in labor available. Why? Because these people figured out that your Mac job, flipping your Mac burger, was not Mac worth it. That staying home and being a parent was worth it that you could stay home and you could do something else. You maybe work, run a business from home. Doesn't have to be a big business. You know, if you, you could, you could stay home and make little tchotchkes, you know, you go, you know, you go to Hobby Lobby or Michael's or, you know, the, the arts and crafts section of Walmart and you can sit at home and you can make these little doodads and things and sell them on Etsy. And you can make at least enough money to cover the loss. Well, what happened? You got more people doing that to a degree that in fact, you actually had such a surge of people doing that, that all of a sudden they started coming out and trying to crack down on the small businesses, the Etsy stores, the place, the places where people, you know, they go, I I can't do a whole lot. So I'm going to make something at home and I'm going to sell it online. And lo and behold, the little openings start, you suddenly started to get those little openings cracked in and the whole economy started to look as flawed as it was. To the Democrats, I want to thank you. Cheers. I raise my glass to you for reminding mothers that motherhood is far, far more, far more edifying than any Mac job. <clears throat> that it w- that it's better to actually make stuff. That if you have to work, you can work from home. And you don't have to be <clears throat> in some, in the service of some slave wage. You did it. It was your policy. You wanted it. Now you got it. Now all of a sudden you want to get all these people back into the workforce. They're telling you to go screw yourselves. But what was your answer when you realized, Oh, we didn't really, we didn't really save these people's jobs because it turns out they didn't really need them in the first place. What happened? Instead of instead of shifting backward, you doubled down and you printed more money. 
Only you barely hid the fact that you were spending millions of dollars in gender studies programs in Pakistan, studying the sexual habits of jumbo shrimp after they've run on a treadmill, and all sorts of other nonsense. Oh, and not to mention managing to pad the pockets of the big pharmaceutical companies who very well may have already been part and parcel of the jackalopes who brought us the coronavirus in the first place. Oh, and more lockdowns and mandates. Because that was a great idea. I know an aviation company in Michigan who's getting crucified right now because they can't find the mechanics to work because of that mandate. So good job. Congratulations. And the thing that's actually happening more because of all of this God, because you guys can't actually look at reality from the actual perspective of an objective reality what you're doing is you're shaking everybody else awake. And while they don't necessarily know what to do, and I'm in that boat, I don't necessarily know what to do. I know what not to do. What I definitely cannot do is I cannot cooperate with the government of the United States of America. I cannot cooperate with the federal government and I cannot cooperate necessarily with my state government. And I have to vet everything that comes out of the mouth of my state and local politicians with a very, very fine tooth comb and go through it and to make sure that there is no error anywhere in there. Because otherwise I can't follow along with them either. They were trying to manage the slow destruction of the United States of America. And I got to say, Russia, China, thanks. Because of you, this is actually going to happen much more quickly. And for those of you who think that I'm being somehow facetious, I'm really not. It says in sacred scripture that if the timeline were not reduced, if the time was not shortened, then even the elect would be deceived. We need to let go of our understanding of modern economics, that so-called modern monetary theory. We need to let it go, and we need to go back to basics. We need to go back to the way things were as they were taught by the church. And bishops, you need to step up and do your jobs because this is coming quickly, and you have an opportunity to guide people back to Holy Mother Church. And you can use monetary policy, assuming you guys aren't all bought in. Pray for the church. Pray for the nation, pray for your families, and pray for us in Catholic social media so that you do not get led astray. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.